Strange Ology Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Foran, and this is your place to explore the weird, the strange and unexplained, from cryptids and creatures, the paranormal, aliens and UFOs, forbidden knowledge, ancient mysteries, conspiracies, and more. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Thanks for hanging out today. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different than usual. My production schedule for researching, writing, recording, editing, my next episode was unfortunately unable to happen since it was spring break from school for my oldest kiddo. And well, Strangeology HQ became daddy daycare (laughs) for the last week. So instead of a brand new topic to cover, I thought I'd pull something out of the Patreon archive all the way back to season one to give all you listeners out there who aren't members a little preview of one of the benefits of becoming a member, which is access to the Strangeology Beyond episode extension, which these episodes, these extensions are, are sometimes whole episodes in and of themselves, depending on how much I go into the topic. So if you want to learn about becoming a member, just head on over to patreon.com forward slash strangeology and check out all the tiers and benefits I have there. Before I get started, though, make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening and definitely leave me a review. It helps out a ton, and I love reading people's reviews of the show. It, it's a, a nice thing. Also, quick reminder that the first show I'm vending at this year is Monster Fest, which is being hosted by Small Town Monsters. And this show is less than a month away, so I am going to be scrambling for the next three or four weeks, prepping and making sure I have enough merch and all that stuff. That reminds me, I have to (laughs) dig into all my old bins, which I haven't opened up since CryptidCon, and uh, see what I need to restock on. And I've got a couple new designs that I need to order some prints for and get the old heat press fired up. (laughs) But this event is happening on Saturday, June 3rd in Canton, Ohio at the Doubletree. It goes from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. and tickets are still on sale. I think they're like 20 bucks and some change. There's going to be a ton of speakers and vendors. There's going to be cryptozoologist legends like Lauren Coleman and Stan Gordon, along with Lyle Blackburn, Cliff Barrickman, and a bunch more going to be a lot of friends. It's going to be a great time. I'm really stoked for this event. And it's going to be one of two events that I'm vending at this year, just because the schedule is so, (laughs) so wacky this year. But uh, I hope to see you there. Definitely find my table and come say hi. All right. So let's get started here. This story comes from my season one finale episode from my Beyond segment, which also happened to be my Halloween episode. It was kind of a a big episode where I covered a whole bunch of different creepy cryptids and topics. And the Beyond segment, I covered the story of Sam the Sandown Clown. This is a super weird one and also super fun. So sit back, relax, grab a drink, your favorite beverage, and just enjoy the ride. Anyway, uh, I wanted to continue on with one more creepy creature encounter story for y'all. And 
for this one, we're we're going international and it's going to involve creepy clowns <laughs> because why not? So let's just get into it. This story was first publicized in the British UFO Research Association's journal in their January-February volume uh, back in 1978. Uh, But this talks about a story that took place a few years earlier. So the story goes that during May of 1973, on the Isle of Wight, uh, which is off the coast of England near the Hampshire area, And this island is known for being this popular tourist destination. It's got decent weather, uh, has great scenery, and it also has a story of an uncanny clown-like entity uh, that was out of this world. And on the eastern side of the isle, there's this resort town called Sandown, which has this golf course, as resort towns do, and it was smack right in the middle between the town to the north, uh, Shanklin, and Sandown to the south. And, of course, you know, <laughs> creative names. It's just called the Shanklin and Sandown Golf Course, uh, which is the stage setting for the story of Sam the Sandown Ghost Clown. So it was uh, 4 p.m. one day in May, and a then seven-year-old girl that the story calls Faye, uh, I'm assuming it's a pseudonym, uh, along with a male friend around the same age, were wandering around the golf course and exploring all the vast fairways and and all the terrain and the hills around it, just, you know, doing doing kid stuff, having a good time. And uh, suddenly the the children claimed that They heard this startling sound off in the distance, uh, like that of an emergency vehicle um, or a siren somewhere, uh, but it was still loud enough to make them alert to its presence. The sound continued on, though, so these kids got curious and decided that they were going to go investigate and see if they could find where the sound was coming from. And you forget sometimes how fearless you are as a kid. It's like, no, kids, that could be some stranger danger shit going down. (laughs) Uh, So Faye and her friend schlepped through the woods and pushed on through this thick hedgerow that led them into a kind of like swampy wetland area, uh, which kind of was right next to this old abandoned airfield uh, that was next to the golf course. So once they made it into this area, the noise seemed to stop. Uh, But instead of just giving up and heading back out onto the fairway and going on with their day, they decided to keep searching for the source of this strange sound. And I'm sure it was kind of like this, this fun game. Uh, where that they were playing and 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 trying to investigate a mystery, you know, uh, and eventually the kids came to this footbridge that crossed over a small creek that ran through this uh, this marshy area, and it was then that they they found what was making the strange noise. Uh, to their shock, as they approached this bridge, on the opposite side of the bridge. They saw this three-fingered hand 
come up from underneath it. And this hand appeared to be wearing some kind of blue glove. And it then kind of creepily signaled them to come forward to the other side of the bridge. <laughs> and like this, this has given me some major it, Stephen King's it vibes. And I'm just waiting for whatever this thing is to say, uh, we all float down here. <laughs> um, and for some reason, these two kids weren't scared off by this totally concerning sight <laughs> that just <laughs> appeared in front of them with this blue gloved hand with only three fingers. Uh, and they just kind of stared at it, watched it. And after a moment, this humanoid fi figure, uh, that the hand was attached to began to rise up from underneath the bridge. And the children described this, this man, this entity, whatever this thing was, as being like seven feet tall. And it had no neck and wore this yellow pointed hat that had a black knob on its tip. And it appeared to have these two uh, antenna that appeared to be wooden on either side of the hat. And the hat also seemed to kind of transition, uh, seamlessly with, uh, a torn up red collared green tunic that this, this thing, this, whatever it was, was wearing. But the descriptions became even more unnerving and uncanny valley like, uh, and it may have appeared humanoid, but its face which very well could have been a mask. Uh, it had these kind of like triangular uh, markings for eyes um, that almost kind of were like eye sockets. And it had a brown square marking for a nose as well as these yellow stationary lips. It was almost like a clown face. And it also had this small lock of red hair that peeked out from uh, the hat that it was wearing and it kind of sat on its, its forehead and the color of the face of this entity was this paper white color. And it had a few more distinct markings like around its face, like on its cheeks and this like clownish figure. It also had these wooden slats protruding from its sleeves and its pants so whoever or whatever this thing was, it's just like completely bizarre. <laughs> and apparently it also wasn't wearing shoes. And the number of digits on its feet apparently matched the number on its hands. So three, three fingers, three toes. Doesn't, doesn't really sound like it could be human, but let's see. Let's see where this goes. So this clown creature was also apparently holding some kind of book and in a, a clownish way, of course, it uh, began to fumble this book and it wound up falling into the creek below. And in this kind of slapstick manner, this thing started frantically splashing around the water trying to retrieve its book before it washed away. And once it grabbed its book, the clown then leapt out of the water and bolted away from Faye and her friend using this kind of like high need hop. And they watched as this thing headed towards a nearby metal structure that they only noticed because that's where this thing was going to. And uh, it disappeared into it. 
So Faye and her friend stared over there for a couple of minutes and then they finally decided that it was probably time to leave the area. Uh, so they started making their way back towards the golf course and they'd only walked about 150 feet from this metal hut and then the clown reemerged and he was holding something that looked like one of these, uh, one of those little kind of toy microphone kits where there's the little amp and speaker and it's got this like coiled uh, cord uh, that the microphone attaches to. And all of a sudden the strange shrieking siren noise that drew them out to this place in the first place uh, started up again and it was louder than ever. And finally the kids got scared and Faye's friend did the, the reasonable thing and started to run, uh, leaving Faye in the dust. And she was about to make her escape too. But then the feedback noise from the amplifier stopped altogether and she could hear a clear voice come through asking them the question, are you still there? So Faye's friend stopped running and looked back once he also heard this question as well. And both he and Faye said that they, they thought the clown creature's voice sounded non-threatening and they decided to approach this peculiar entity. So th the clown man then opened his sopping wet book and managed to scribble down some sort of uh, chaotic, nonsensical message and held it up. And Faye cautiously approached close enough to be able to read this uh, string of words which said, Hello, and I am all colors, Sam. Faye's friend also approached close, and Sam began to have a conversation with them. The kids were surprised that this weird robo-clown creature could even talk, um, and they noticed that his voice was a little bit distorted. Um, so there's some kind of indication there that maybe he was wearing a mask or maybe this thing was some kind of like biological robot. <laughs> and as kids do, they began to ask more questions such as why are his clothes all torn up? And to which he explained that they were the only clothes that he had. And then Faye asked if Sam was a human and Sam replied, no. The kids then asked if Sam might be a ghost. And Sam's answer to that was, well, not really, but I am in an odd sort of way. <laughs> and wanting to know what he was, they asked one more time, what are you then? And Sam simply replied, you know. <laughs> so talk about kind of vague and super sketchy, like what's going on here? So Sam then went on to explain that he had no real name and Sam was just the name of the character in his book that he had adopted. He also revealed that there were other entities like him on Earth and that he was scared of humans and feared that they might hurt him if they found out about him and that his pacifist nature wouldn't allow him to fight back should he be in harm's way. Okay, so... Things are seeming sort of innocuous, minus, you know, the freaky dude in the robot clown suit talking to kids, right? Well, then uh, things kind of uh, become a little bit more concerning, and Sam invites the kids into his windowless metal hut. So 
they wound up following him into it. And this hut had two levels. The larger ground floor level uh, had walls that were covered in this blue-green wallpaper and were dotted with all sorts of dials and knobs. And Sam had also decorated the place with some simple wooden furniture and even an electric heater. The upper level was small with a metal floor and not really as much going on as uh, the ground level. Now, Sam explained that he had managed to survive out here on a diet of uh, berries and water from the nearby creek, which he was able to purify uh, by some un- unknown means uh, so that it was drinkable. So, you know, all, all indications uh, <laughs> seem to point that he's uh, at least uh, alive, uh, a living being of, of, of some sort, whether or not it's uh, some eccentric guy in, in a mask or a suit or, or what is it, still unclear at this point. So now the children are guests in this clown creature's home and learn more about Sam as he answers their questions, uh, including uh, that he apparently maintains some secret camp in England and uh, <laughs> what what its purpose was, he, he wouldn't say. Now, Sam then removed his hat and showed that he had a pair of rounded white ears uh, and that lock of red hair that stuck down from his hat was only part of a small patch of hair on his entire head and was otherwise bald. So at that point, things get a little freaky and uh, this Sam character goes into full clown mode. So he took out one of these berries that he had picked uh, that he had on him and he placed it in one of his ears and he quickly moved his head forward in this like lunging motion and this apparently made the berry appear to go into his ear and come out into one of his triangular eye socket holes. <laughs> and Sam did this motion one more time, and then the berry moved into his mouth. So the purpose of that action is unclear. Uh, maybe if this was, you know, an eccentric guy in a mask, uh, he was performing a magic trick to entertain the kids. Uh, or he was, uh, you know, some sort of otherworldly alien, alien or entity that, and that's just how he, uh, ate his food. <laughs> Who knows? But, uh, whatever the reason, it's definitely strange. Now, Faye and her friend spent around a half an hour with Sam in his hut and they continued to ask questions, uh, and Sam would just give vague answers. So the kids finally bid farewell to the clown creature. Uh, They weren't harmed at all uh, and left Sam's metal hut. And they ran back to the golf course as fast as they could to look for any adult that they could find to tell their outlandish story to. And the first person they ran into was one of the groundskeepers of the golf course. And he just laughed at their story thinking, ah, the kids are just making stuff up. You know, there's nothing to this. And according to the journal that reported this story, Faye and her friend seemed truly convinced that they had encountered uh, a ghost or someone dressed up in a really weird getup. You know, they were convinced that what they experienced was real, whether or not it was paranormal or if it was just some weird guy living out in the woods. Um, 
they were sure that it had happened. Now, Faye had wanted to tell her father, but she feared being ridiculed and, and that she would be told it was a lie. Uh, so she waited a few weeks before mentioning anything to him. And she finally did on June 2nd. And she had her friend who was with her come and corroborate her story. And the amount of detail that she and her friend conveyed in their tale seemed to convince her father enough to believe the story, at least to some extent, and be willing to go out and investigate the site on the golf course uh, where they had this encounter with Sam the Sandown Clown. However, when they arrived on the scene... There was no trace of a metal hut or anything out of the ordinary. Uh, there, there was no impression in the ground, <laughs> like nothing to indicate that someone was uh, had set up shop out in the woods and was was living there for a while. So Faye's father wound up speaking with some workers who were doing some repairs in the area that day, um, and neither of them noticed or heard anything unusual, apparently. So... Just what happened on that spring day in 1973 on the Shanklin and Sandown golf course? Was was Sam real? Was he an alien, a ghost, some kind of interdimensional being, uh, some kind of biological robot, uh, or simply a crazy guy wearing a mask living nomadically out in the woods of England, uh, a prankster trying to scare children, or was it all just a tall tale that Faye and her friend made up. Uh, since this is the only known encounter of <laughs> a creepy alien robot ghost clown creature out there, uh, this case will probably never be solved. But interestingly, uh, and this was something that, you know, a lot of articles I was reading didn't have uh, an aspect to this. But interestingly, uh, no, I'm not quite done yet. Uh, a lot of the uh, the stories of Sam the Sandown Clown end there, uh, but I found uh, a really uh, interesting article about this case on uh, the Curious Archive blog, and they go into the story of Faye's father, and apparently her father had a, a couple of UFO encounters around this same time period. So I'm going to go over that. And, um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's another, another aspect of the story that seems to not be as talked about, but yeah, I could be wrong. So Faye's father, uh, who the, the British UFO research association journal, uh, or before, I guess would be an easier way to just say, uh, weirdly called her father, Mr. Y. And, he had chronicled his own otherworldly experiences. Apparently, in 1970, just three years before the appearance of Sam the Sandown Clown, Mr. Y had a sighting of a UFO on the Isle of Wight. And the day it happened was October 20th. And Mr. Y, Faye's dad, was, was driving one night to visit a friend. And he suddenly noticed a large and bizarre multi-lit aircraft flying over some marshlands uh, near the river Yar. And he pulled over his car to observe this craft. You know, he probably initially thought, oh, maybe it was just a plane, but he noticed that it had 
a wide ring of at least seven bright cherry red lights, each shaped like spheres on it. And strangely, this craft seemed to be silent and was slowly kind of flying over uh, the marshlands. So Faye's dad then got back into his car and continued to drive. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'd probably, <laughs> well, I guess, you know, you'd either stay and observe it or you'd want to get out out of, <laughs> out of there as fast as possible. But it didn't seem like he was trying to flee the scene. He just was like, oh, that's something weird. I'm going to get in my car and, and head to my friend's house. So uh, Mr. Y noticed that uh, this craft continued to fly and it was going, it was moving parallel to his car. And then after a little while, it started flying towards his car and hung back behind him by roughly 300 yards or so. And he could see that the craft seemed to be rotating and he stopped his car again and got out uh, for some reason to try and signal it with a torch. But uh, nothing happened that we know of, apparently. Uh, and he got back into his car again and continued on to his friend's house. But this craft continued to follow him and would bob in and out of trees near the side of the road, almost like it was playing a game of cat and mouse. And he finally arrived at his friend's and went inside. And for some reason, this kind of reminds me a lot of like the Betty and Barney Hill <laughs> story, but there's, there's no indication of, uh, any kind of alien abduction. So that's a, a little bit of a different aspect. So apparently once he got inside his, his friend that he was visiting also saw this craft. Uh, but by the time that Faye's dad left his friend's house, the craft had disappeared. And I find it curious that they wouldn't have called the local authorities or anything like that. Like if there was some kind of otherworldly hovering craft with red lights on it <laughs> that was just kind of hanging around and following you in your car, like you might be a little, a little bit nervous. I don't know. Uh, maybe they, they thought it was just like a military craft or something, but I know I'd be concerned if, if I saw something like that, that was following me on the road at night and all the way to a house I was like going to go hang out at. Um, but interestingly, this w wasn't the last encounter that Faye's dad would have with a UFO. Two years later in 1972, on March 1st, he was hanging around at uh, Compton Bay, which is on the southwest coast of the Isle of Wight. And while he was there looking down at the water from, uh, from the cliffside, Mr. Y claimed that this unexpected and unnatural looking tidal surge came into the bay almost as if something large was in the water kind of displacing all, all of that seawater. And he then spotted these two yellow looking lights that appeared just below the surface of the water, uh, some 40 feet off the shore and observed them for some time. He described it as it looked like they were just staring at him the whole time. And eventually the lights went away and this unnatural tide receded back into the ocean. And at that point, 
Faye's dad just got into his car and drove home. So it seems maybe because of his experiences with with sighting some UFOs, it might be why he was a little bit more willing to go investigate this Sam character. Perhaps he thought there was a, a possible connection between between this clown creature and the UFO sightings. Um, you know, maybe this metal hut was actually a UFO and that's why it, uh, it left no trace behind. It just got up and flew off into the sky. Who knows? <laughs> and that is the story of Sam, the Sandown clown. Did those kids really run into this strange alien type entity? Was it just an eccentric person living in the woods or was it all made up? I'll leave that up to you to decide. Anyway, thanks everyone for listening and hanging out with me today. That's the episode, of course, and I hope you enjoyed it and liked getting a little bit of a taste of what you can find over on the Patreon. And of course, since I didn't have time to write a brand new episode, there also won't be a new Beyond segment for members today either. Sorry, everyone. Uh, I will be back next time with a jam-packed episode for sure. And as always, thank you to everyone out there listening, downloading and sharing the show with your friends and family and loved ones. It helps out a ton, and I'm always very grateful for your support. The show is going to be hitting another download milestone really soon, which is wild to me how much the show has grown in the past two and a half years and the recent uptick of people checking things out. So also welcome new people listening to the show. If this is your first episode or you're new within the last couple of weeks or months, thank you so much for checking this show out. And it's just wild to me that people all over the world listen to my show. So you all rock. Thank you so much. And keep being rad. Again, if you liked what you heard today, there's a whole back catalog of episode extensions over on patreon.com forward slash strangeology if you want to check that all out. There's also other benefits as well, like ad-free episodes, merch discounts to my Etsy shop, shoutouts, exclusive merch, and a whole bunch of more stuff. Definitely check it out. And speaking of member shoutouts, I wanted to give a big shout out to all the members. We've got Alex, Chad from Appalachian Huntsman, Mike Waddell from MetaZoo Games, Sean, Miranda, John, Maureen, Gail, Adam F., Ryan, Anne, Angie, Cassie, Adam J., Daniel from Blue Room Insight, Easton Hawk, Guy, Megan, Jason, Jeff from Map and Black, into the Wildwood, Miguel, Albert, Nicole, Britt, Shane from Inquiries of Our Reality, Lene, Jeffer, Carlos M, Richie, Carlos B, Robin Hood, Son of the Wolf, Brian, Colin, Zachary, Duncan, and Prepared Wolf. Also, if you're looking for other ways to support the show, you can check out my Etsy shop. Like I just mentioned, if you're into cryptids and aliens and otherwise Fordian style merch. I just released a brand new Cryptid Encounters design which depicts the infamous Ape Canyon incident of 1924 where these miners were 
up on the side of Mount St. Helens, and one evening, they were attacked by what looked like hairy ape men. I'll be covering the story at some point on the show, or maybe bringing on someone who has extensive knowledge about the incident. Anyway, it's a fun design, one of my favorites I've done so far. And beyond that, there's also the Homestate Cryptids collection, so if you have some Homestate pride and you like cryptids, I've got all 50 states in the US covered, some with multiple designs of the most popular cryptids within those states. I've also got stickers, magnets, blankets, mugs, tumblers, enamel pins, t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, long sleeves, and tank tops since summer is just around the corner and you're going to want to stay cool, I'm sure. You can find all of this over at strangeology.etsy.com and definitely sign up for my email list for occasional discounts. And finally, if you're looking for more content from me, give me a follow over on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. I post a lot of short form video content on, well, I guess three of those, but (laughs) if you're looking for more from me, you can find me over on all my socials. All right. I think that's all from me for now. So until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. And as I always say, Keep it strange.